Hey, what's up, y'all? Welcome to Millennial Love. Hey y'all, it's Mish, and I'm back to talk to you about BioClarity. So y'all know I'm trying to preserve my youth, right, with my healthy habits. I'm getting the water intake I need, the sleep, I'm stress-free, and BioClarity is just the product to keep my skin on point. It's 100% vegan, has great botanical ingredients, and the skin smoothie keeps my skin soft and glowy, which I love. The clear skin routine is so quick and simple. It's just three easy steps, cleanse, treat, and restore. BioClarity contains nourishing plant extracts like chamomile, green tea, cucumber, licorice root, oat kernel, plus Floralux from chlorophyll. It helps fight breakouts, soothe skin, minimize redness, reduce pore size, and even skin tone. You get results with Garden Lush ingredients in as little as two weeks. The key and unique ingredient in BioClarity is Floralux. Floralux is a clever form of chlorophyll. It's proven for nourishing the skin, soothing away imperfections and blemishes. Floralux has antioxidant and anti-inflammatory properties that feed your skin from the outside in. It's like green juice for your face. Detox and rebalance with BioClarity. BioClarity is delivered straight to you and it's an easy to use three-step skincare routine that's 100% vegan plus gluten and cruelty free. So get started on your healthier habits with your skincare. Just go to BioClarity.com. Our listeners will get their first month for 50% off, plus free shipping. And it comes with a 100% free money-back guarantee. But you'll need to enter our code LOV3. That's BioClarity.com and enter the code LOV3. Hey, what's up, y'all? Welcome to Millennial Love. This is episode I don't know. 78. <laughs> 78. Uh, where we discuss sex, love, and how we are selfish <laughs> as fuck. My name is Justin. I'm Mish. This is Cardi. And thank y'all for listening. Oh, <laughs> Anyways, please make sure you follow us on all social media platforms. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, no Snapchat. Please send us your coin to Millie Love. That's M-I-L-L-Y-L-O-V-3. Because we are still in the process of purchasing equipment. Yes, we do have mics, but we still have to buy a stand. I mean, mic stands and an interface so you do not hear those cards in the background. Um, so please send us a little coin. It is our birthday season, so if you want to send a little extra, that is also great. <laughs> it's almost when does Virgo season start officially? The day of my it's, birthday, yeah. August 23rd. Oh my God. And I can't wait. So how are y'all at this August? <laughs> at this August, I'm good. <laughs> I'm really good too. I'm well. I'm well as well. I'm good as well. <laughs> I'm, I'm well, well as well. well. <laughs> when are you supposed to say well and good? Do you know the difference? Um, if someone asks, how are you, you doing? How are I'm you? well. I'm well. Mm. Not I'm good. Oh, that. so I'm good is incorrect. It's incorrect. Yeah, you're supposed to say but I'm well. I'm good, love. <laughs> Enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> that little laugh. Shout out to my last post. I did post something last week and it said, I'm good, no cap. 
What does that mean? It just no, no cap. cap. It just means like what does it mean again? <laughs> <laughs> How you don't know? It, no cap means like no lie. Where does that come from? What slang is that? The kids. Oh. The younger kids. Yeah, I think the children have come up with that. I have never heard heard of that. Yeah, the children came up with that. I I was really reading it like, I don't know what, does he mean no capital letters? (laughs) Does he mean, like, I really, (laughs) I really had no idea. It came for the kids. Oh, my God. (laughs) I really, I was like, but he used the capital I. I don't understand. I don't think I did. You did. I did. I think you did. I don't know. You may not have. I just didn't know what it meant. So thank you for the clarification. (laughs) (laughs) It was a lit pick, though. Well, you know, I'm trying to remain young. So, yeah, the the I wasn't capitalized. But I'm trying to remain young. It was? It wasn't. Oh, okay. So just, uh, I guess, refreshing the, I don't know. I'm just trying to be, I don't know, whatever. Anyways. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Welcome to Millennial Love. We are also happy to be here once again this week. Thank y'all for your heavy communication on Twitter. We absolutely love it. Um, what's going on in these streets, y'all? We don't know. I don't I ha- know. I actually have no idea. The only thing <laughs> I traveling. saw on social media today was Cardi B posted something on her Insta story twerking. And she looks great. Oh, she <laughs> so, does? Yes. Do you think she got the after mommy surgery? Well, it was from the back. So I couldn't, like, you know, you can only really see from the front of the side. So okay. her booty still looked intact. Okay. And she was just, she wasn't twerking. She was winding. And she looked great. Do y'all watch uh, Love and Hip Hop Hollywood? I don't. <clears throat> I do not watch it, but I've seen two episodes. So you watched it? I watched it, but I don't watch it on a regular. Like okay. I don't know what day it came on. It comes <laughs> Me on. Either. I don't. I I really don't watch it off and on. But I've watched two, one or two episodes as well. Okay. And I want to watch it because I feel like this season is gonna be really funny, if at the very least. Who's in this? Um. So a one, he's a producer. Lyrica, she's a songwriter. I mean, she's an artist. K. Michelle, Princess Ray J. I'm missing a few people. There's a stripper girl who's trying <laughs> to be a Valentine. rapper. Brooke Valentine. Who are these people? You remember Brooke oh, Valentine? We girl about fight. to throw them bows. It's about to be a what? Girl, girl fight. fight. Yep. Oh, Mind okay. you, Brooke looks really good to me. I think she... Isn't she like 40 though? You know how some, some people in Love and Hip Hop, they be looking like real mm-hmm. tacky. Mm-hmm. Every time Brooke is on, on TV, she looks good. Like her makeup looks good. Her hair looks good. She looked like she have real edges. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? She just looked uh-huh. really good. So it's Tierra Marie. Is that her name? Tierra Marie. Tierra Marie. I think she is. She just hasn't appeared yet. What okay. she got going? Because she had she was a one hit wonder, wasn't she? She was. She was. She was that close to the throne, she but was did so not make good. it. Ray J. Like when the when the show first started, I did watch it. Cause I was really into them. Um, ratchet shows back then. But anyways, she was her and Ray J had just broke up when the show first started. And I don't know what happened with their relationship. But Can we pause real quick? I guess Princess came into the, you know, picture and then that was it for her and Ray J. But I think Princess is so pretty. Like she is gorgeous. Mm. <laughs> I don't know anything about her. Um, okay. <laughs> Do you watch Housewives of Potomac? 
I don't watch any of those. Sorry. Uh, do you do you watch Housewives of Potomac? I've seen one show. Oh, okay. Um, okay. I guess I'm out here alone on this island. So if any of I our, watch Basketball Wives. Okay. Yeah. Let's talk about Basketball Wives. Okay. How do you feel about? Um, now I can't think of any of those characters. Oh, Tammy and um, no Jennifer and Tammy. How do you feel about them? You know, Jennifer is a snake in the grass. I think that Jennifer genuinely had a good relationship with Tammy, but because her and Ele- what's the girl name? Evelyn. Evelyn, our friends again. It's like she's throwing Tammy to the wayside, and because her and Evelyn together are like mean girls. So she wants that whole what they had before back. And I think it's pretty messed up. So You know, Jennifer reminds me of speaking, I'm glad you mentioned Mean Girls. Jennifer reminds me of the girl that was trying to bring Fetch and trying to make Fetch happen. And, you know, the main mean girl was like, You're never gonna be able to make Fetch happen again. So they fall out and next thing you know, they wanna like retaliate uh, I guess against that girl. Jennifer reminds me of that person. Extremely coward. Beautiful girl. Yeah. Beautiful gowns. She's super beautiful gowns. <laughs> beautiful gowns. <laughs> Other than that, pure dud, Tammy would definitely wax that ass if necessary. Um, but I think originally her loyalty, like she doesn't know what she want. Mm-mm. It's sad though, because she's way in her 40s and she's acting like that. Is she really in her 40s? I mean, I would assume she looked old. Like, I mean, she, oh. Oh, wow. She looked that I old mean, too. I don't know how old they are, but geez. Well, I think, you know, Malaysia going to give it a business. And Malaysia's not one to me to be played with. Right. Um, I really like. I like Malaysia. Malaysia. But she, the, like, I feel her fashions are. I mean. It's just it's too strong. Soulful. It's strong. Soulful. It's strong. <laughs> and don't get me wrong. Like, she be, like, she be labeled down. I think her stuff is very authentic. It's not no fashion over clothes. But. It's just, it's too, it's like, it's in your face. Like, but she can dress. But it's just like, you know how, like, I don't know, that aunt that has everything on, <laughs> like she wearing all her good clothes, that's Malaysia. Mm. But well, she's cute. I like, yeah, I like her. I think that she's just like real, no cap. Uh <laughs> right. She doesn't play the phony stuff. I think that's kind of the reason why I like her. Like, what you see is what you're going to get. Like, if there's anything she said about you when you weren't there, she'll say it while you are there. Hmm. And she doesn't play that, like, hey, I'm going to be your friend and you're going to talk about this other girl. And then when you're a friend of the girl, you're going to act like y'all really friends. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah. So, I don't know. That's the only show I watch. Hmm. So, uh, y'all both have. Mish has dreads in her hair right now, and Cara has braids. Is it the season for women to just be braided out yeah. with dreads and stuff like that? Why? Because well, it's easy. Yeah, and because all these people voted for me to go six months, no heat, and I'm trying to stick to it. What month is it? It's only been one month. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm already over it. She's going to flatter on that stuff so fast. I probably am. Because okay. I have an interview coming up, and so, I mean, I don't really care what anybody says. I'm going to have either a bun or my hair is going to be straight for an interview. <laughs> and I don't know. Call me person that can't stick to it, but they're not ready for the black girl magic like this. Come on. Interview. 
Well, speaking of interviews, um, I just attended the National Sales Network Conference last week in oh. New Orleans. It, y'all, it was so amazing. It felt so good to be like a part of that level of black excellence. I oh, mean, a lot of black people there. It was. A, it's a black organization. Oh, is it? Yes, it's a black I organization. Um, and some of the sponsors, just to name a few names, were like Medtronic, Johnson and Johnson. Used to work for Medtronic. General uh, Electric. Striker, like all the top companies that you can think of were there sponsoring. And um, most of those companies were using this organization along with Black MBA to fully diversify their companies. And that's their mm. mission. Like Medtronic alone said that they're trying to at least get um, 40% of female leaders. They're trying to diversify their um their company by 20% like within the next year. So it just felt good to really see these major companies, I mean billion dollar companies um take taking an initiative to um pull ethnic talent. Um so and most of that is because we have um representation in those spaces where they can go to you know, their senior leaders and be like, hey, we need more representation of yeah. like, you know, black folks, Chinese folks, Indian folks, Hispanic folks, and to see them really take that initiative was really, really everything. So if any of any of our listeners um, are in business, are in sales, I highly recommend that you join your local chapter um, because, I mean, this was a level of networking that I have never experienced in my life, and I'm 33 years old, um, and I'll say this much. I was at that conference for three days, and I had five interviews. That's wow. awesome. Five interviews with like five top companies that um, had I just submit my application within the system, I'm probably sure that, you know, it I probably could have gotten called. Sauce. I would have got lost in the sauce. So wow. if any of y'all that, that if any of y'all um, are in business, are in sales, please join your local National Sales Network organization because it was so beneficial. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. So I have two self-care moments. Okay. Because I forgot last week. <clears throat> um, so the first one is really just personal for me. I think everybody should, when it's raining, sit outside on your balcony, on your porch. Um, what else do people have? Do people have porches? Yeah, they do have porches. Okay. Yeah. Um, on your porch, on your balcony, in your garage with the garage lit up. Just be mindful and take a moment to experience the elements. And while you're doing that, drink green tea, hot green tea with honey, and listen to her EP. (laughs) You want to (laughs) cry? No, it is just such a relaxing experience. Like... Even if you're not necessarily listening to the words of what she's saying, listen to the rain and just have the music in the back. Like, you don't even need the music to be that loud. I did that one day, y'all, like one Saturday. And, baby, you would have thought I had just taken an edible or something because (laughs) I was in such – it was just – it felt like euphoria. Like, it was a really good feeling of peace, tranquility, like just being calm and in my own thoughts. For sure. And I think it would be nice for people to do that. So that's just personal. No, I, I like think it's it. it's pretty solid. Rain does represent, you know, cleanse. Yes. Washing away. That 
So Man, maybe that's what it was. I was just washing <laughs> away thoughts. Okay, and the other self-care tip is something simple also. Go on a lunch date with a friend. I've had lunch date with friends. I think y'all have had lunch date with friends before. Mm-hmm. And it's something that's really nice. Like take time to like just go see your friend during the day. It's quick. You're going to have a quick conversation, but it'll come if work is stressful that day, it'll kind of give you, you know, a calm moment to get away from work and then be replenished to go back. So, one lunch date with a friend. I like lunch date with friends. Yep. That's it's it. Pretty cool. <laughs> it's pretty cool. Actually, I'm going to lunch this week, so Yay. Um, so today we're kind of talking about job stuff again, which is good, especially this kind of like job season, kind of. Kind August, of, or leading into September, it. Leading into yeah. job season. So um, have you ever been fired? And if so, why? I have not been fired because I was working with a staffing company I think I told the um, story on the podcast before where I had the manager that was, like, coming on to me. And then they set me in the room and, like, oh yeah, mm-hmm. you know, tried to corner me about me talking to a supervisor about it. So he, after that conversation, just kept picking on me about stuff. And I was late one morning. So he called the staffing company and was like, she can't come back. Mm. So then they had to reassign me to somewhere else. Mm. But I've never been fired. You you were reassigned. I was reassigned. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't think I've ever been fired. I probably quit more jobs than me getting fired. Um, you know, growing up, I was a um, I was a dependable worker, but I was a horrible worker at the same time. Like I didn't fully do my job, but I was present. <laughs> <laughs> so. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like <laughs> dead ass like just annoying i was just an annoying little kid i know for those you know my managers back in the day but i was there like i came to work all the time i just didn't necessarily like if i had to switch up the milks in order of ex- the expiration date i probably may haven't fully done it completely but i had i did the first row <laughs> the second and third row was just whatever <laughs> um <laughs> So I say that to say that eventually I, I, you know, I knew that my time would be winding down. So I gracefully bowed, <laughs> gracefully bowed out before um, I received termination papers. So I haven't been, um, <laughs> I haven't been fired, but I know had I stayed longer. I that would have. is a question on applications. Have you ever resigned? To avoid termination. Really? Yeah. I, <laughs> I haven't seen that. That would be yes. And obviously, I would say <laughs> For no. So many. All right. Days. Why yeah. would you tell them yes? Right. But because what they gonna do, and who gonna know what you quit for? Because they didn't fire you. Right. Yeah. And who uh, gonna check you? No, they will if you put yes, because they'll be like application denied. Correct. I've been fired, but I How? had a job already, so like I was already working at Longhorn. I had applied for DSW and I wanted it to be a part-time job. And I gave them my hours and told them not to schedule me for this time, between this time and this time on this days. And they scheduled me anyway. So I just didn't show up because I was at my other job. Yeah. Your manager did that on purpose. It was like day two. (laughs) And she scheduled me and I called and I was like, hey, like, what you want me to do? She's like, well, I mean, you're on the schedule. That's what you said. And so I just didn't show up. So she fired me. 
Wow. That's your fault, man. Yeah. I gave them explicit instructions and they didn't care. So anyway, I was fired from DSW. I don't think I can ever work there. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to DSW and their little $5 coupons they be sending me. Like, y'all need to give me more than $5 to make me want to walk into DSW. I, they don't even send me nothing. How you get a Because off of And DSW? here's the thing. I asked them. I'm like, why? I used to get $10 back in the day. Why do I get $5 now? And apparently, if you do not spend money there, they decrease <laughs> that number. Yuck. Discount right, so I'm like, whatever. But DSW is a solid little place where if you want to go get like a work shoe, you know, yeah, it, it'll have that at the very least. It's but, a little overwhelming. So if y'all have not noticed already, we would we are talking about interviewing. Well, I guess interviews and like I guess discovering your career path and the things that we have done to. Um, secure us within our fields, our um, our fields of work. So we're going to be asking, I'm going to be asking them questions and we're going to be answering those questions just so you can ha- gain a little insight on what we do to one, secure the bag and to, um, and to also, um, I guess, always be in a, a, the mind frame of, I guess, elevating yourself within your career. So, um, with that being said, I do have to find my questions because, of course, I'm <laughs> never ready. <laughs> but uh, my first question for you is, um, when prospecting companies, what do you look for? So you're in a place where you want to go ahead on and pursue another organization. Um, what exactly are you looking for? Obviously, you're obviously looking for a job title or opening, but... Are you doing further research on that company? Or like, I guess, what are you looking for when it comes to that? Um, for me, um, sometimes depending on like what my goals are for that next step in my career, I might look to see like what their diversity numbers look like and make sure that they are committed to improving their diversity if it's not where it should be. Um, and that, that's something that's become important to me, especially being like one of the only black people at a large organization. It just, it's just easier when you have somebody like that you feel like is on your side. Yeah. Um, and then, but, but it's also good to be a part of a company that even though they may not have that, they're committed to bringing that in and kind of allowing you to be the catalyst for that. So Mm. That's something. And then also the way that they pay their employees is mm. important to me. So I do look at Glassdoor. Glassdoor is a good website to yeah. check out salaries and some interview questions that they've interviewed. And in the just to see what the employees are saying about it, yeah. about the place. Um, but that's something that that's the two biggest thing is pay and, um, and diversity for me. So I look at benefits. Um, I am pretty big on going to the doctor and not paying an arm and a leg for a regular checkup or, you know, if you want to go see a specialist, not having to pay $200 as a deductible or whatever. So I look at benefits um, because that's very important. Also, what their 401k matching is. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. The company that I work for now, they 
are like one of the top matchers for 401k. And then they also increased it this last year. So in order for me to go to another company, that would have to be a priority for the company. And then the next thing would be what their, um, is it retention? What that Mm -hmm. looks like. Because Mm -hmm. in my field, there are a lot of people that leave companies and, you know, they'll go back and forth, but I don't necessarily want to have to leave every year yeah. or feel like I need to leave every right. year. Um, so I want to see that the company is able to retain their employees and then also that there's room for growth. So like you'll stay if you can see yourself moving sure. up in the company. But if you don't see that, then, you know. Correct. Um, I know that you mentioned 401k and I really highly recommend, I mean, if you're just working out, please start contributing to your 401k. Even if you do switch jobs, that money can be transferred from job to job. Do not cash out because you will be taxed, what, 40 to 50%. Something insane. And it's just, it would be stupid. It it defeats the purpose of you um, contributing to your retirement. So I'm glad you brought 401k up because um, I wish I would have known that um, because I would have been contributing to my 401k since like my first job. But- I'm sorry. sorry. The last thing for me is pay, but not just like, oh, am I going to get paid well? I look at how they're going to play, how they're going to pay their mental health clinicians compared to their RNs. Mm -hmm. Because not a lot of the times, LPCs, psychologists, social workers, um, LMFTs, they do not get the same type of pay that nurses get when we're all working as an interdisciplinary team. Mm. So it's important to me that I see you value your clinicians that have gone to school longer than nurses just as much as you do your nurses. So that's important for me. That's fair. Um, For me, um, I'm kind of like Cara. Like I definitely want to make sure that they have some initiative to diversify the company. But I also want to see like leaders, like black leaders specifically, in those like high places mm. um, because I've been in, you know, I've been employed by, by organizations and it just was so hard to move up. Um, and I don't want to be in that space. Um, I know that I can't run away from it all the time, but if I can position myself um, to be in a place where um, I can move up faster. I'm probably going to do that before just working for a top company. Mm. Um, and I think that method has truly helped me to, you know, obtain some of the titles that um, that I've had thus far. Um, because, you know, I looked at, okay, well, yes, I can go work for this Fortune 200, but I could go work for the startup company which will give me like a higher title on paper Mm -hmm. which will make me a little bit more um, competitive in the future Um, so I had to weigh that Um, and of course I want to make sure that they have that black representation there because some and I'll be honest that black representation isn't always good Um, but it's always good to see that because it at least know that if you put out that effort you can possibly be there one day Um, And the second thing is, um, obviously, because I am in sales, I really like to see, um, like, what the company is doing in the future. Like, what is some of the next projects that they have um, coming up? Because that lets me know that, you know, if the company is stable or not. If they're not working on any other projects, that lets me know that they're only, um, 
focusing on this one particular product or the product that they currently have to sustain the business, which may not be a good thing in the future for me. So those are some of the two things that I look at. Um, So after you've decided the company and right before you go to the interview, um, I guess describe what steps you take to, well, I take that back. Once you've found the company, describe what what steps you take to get an interview. So obviously an application needs to be submitted, but are there any other steps that you guys take to maybe make that process shorten or anything else that you may do? In the past, I would like, I would try to research and find out like who the HR director was and kind of send an email out to that person. That's good. Um, I've reached out to some other directors, but some of the companies that I apply for now, like you cannot find their information. Like, mm-hmm. um, like the company that I'll be interviewing with soon, there was no way I could have found anything. Like mm-hmm. it's just, it's not out there. So mm-hmm. at this point I kind of just apply and pray. Apply and pray. Yeah. That's fine. <laughs> I mean, you can definitely do that. Mm-hmm. Um, For me, um, I I probably go the extra mile. Like, I mean, I'm literally um, on LinkedIn heavily. So, for instance, like, let's say I see a job posting on Indeed, um, LinkedIn, or whatever. I definitely apply for the job. I retrieve, like, the acquisition number. I, go, I then go on LinkedIn, and I try to find someone who worked for the company. Mm-hmm. Um, with the title of like HR or um, talent acquisition specialist or, you know, the hiring or the the district manager like in the region. And I emailed them personally um, with an introduction, my reasons um, as to why I want to, um, the reasons why I'm applying for the job. And I also um, upload my resume. Um, that method seems to work for me best because... I'm not waiting for a computer to send them my information. And of course, when you submit an application, like the computer goes through this little weird calculation algorithm that pulls and looks for certain specific words. And unfortunately, if your resume does not read that, you may just like not get Mm -hmm. pushed through at all. So um, I definitely do that. And then I also find people within my network that may know someone that worked for the company um, that way I can like have a conversation with them just to see, you know, what that process may look like and to see if they can then forward my resume over to that hiring manager or that HR director who is over that acquisition, um, which to some may seem like a, a long process, but, you know, people get jobs based off of who they know. If me, if me yeah, Michelle, and Cara were in the same field and I needed a person to work in Arlington, you best believe I'm going to reach out to Michelle and Cara to see if they knew anyone um, to fill this position. So I looked at it based upon that. Um, and I try to make sure that my timing is everything. If the job has been posted like a day or two be- a, a day or two ago, I want to make sure that like I'm one of the first individuals to submit an application and I'm one of the first individuals that um, that HR director is talking to because timing is everything. Mm. Um, I wouldn't waste time on it at all. So those are some of the things that I do before, you know, going into, I guess, tr- to try to get an interview. The legal field is a little different just because it is mostly about who you know. Mm. And a lot of 
positions aren't posted. It's really just, hey, we have a need. Mm -hmm. Do you know somebody that has these particular skill sets? When I first got out of law school, it was an interview process, but I think it's it's a similar thing where you, I went through like job fairs. So essentially I would submit my application um, to be considered for whatever firms people pick you to interview and then you go interview and it's whether or not you get the job. So that's how I first got to Dallas. But the way I got this job was literally my coworker was like, Hey, somebody's looking for this person is looking for this particular experience. Are you interested? And I was like, well, I don't really have that experience, but I'll apply or I'll talk to her to go to lunch. And I went to lunch and she liked me. I mean, that's really how it happened. And I really didn't have the experience. I, you know, I still don't, but I'm learning. So um, it's really about who you know in the legal field. I mean, my boss, her husband works for a really large corporation here. He was looking for, he's legal counsel for a corporation here. He was looking for in-house counsel and I have a group chat of all black female attorneys. I was like, hey y'all, this ain't posted, but here are the details. This is what they're looking for. If you want to, you know, apply, send me a resume. Like that's literally how it is. So it's all about who you know. Which is, I mean, I like that because you constantly have to continue to build your network. But that's hard it's when hard. you, you know, for me, it kind of like fell in my lap. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I had been praying about it and it kind of, I mean, literally God just like placed it in front of me. But it is hard. I mean, it's hard to get to know the right people. It's hard to be in the right room. Um, I think my boss values the fact that I'm in an organization that fosters black young black female attorney. So she knew that. So she came to me, which was a selling point in my interviewing process where I was like, Hey, this is really important to me. Like, you know, um, we need to make sure diversity is a big thing. So, but yeah, it's literally all about who, you know, but once you get, you know, before you interview, I think, um, one of the things I always do is like, I just Google people. Mm -hmm. I Google folks. I Google the company, like Misha was saying. I look on Glassdoor. I just do as much much outside research as I can. I ask people, like I just, you know, hey, what have you heard about this firm or this company? And like kind of go from there. Because a lot of the times, unless you know somebody that works there, it's hard to get a really good view of the company. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, generally won't, unless I'm in, you know, organizations with somebody who's either worked there or has worked with the person. Right. So my next question is going to ask, basically ask us um, during the interview, how do you set yourself apart? But before I get to that question, um, I probably should have asked another question, but I'll just go ahead on and talk about it. I think it's extremely important for one to for for everyone to do what Carl mentioned. Do your research on the organization like you almost have to look at it like you want them to not have anything up on you. You want to make sure that, you know, um, the direction in which where the company is going. And you may not know it in, in detail, but, you know, a lot of these companies have like news articles. They have like an actual, you know, page on their website where you can really research some of the articles of, of which what is going on within the business or at least have an idea of like what that company is about. Right. So for car, it may be, you know, mm. a law firm that may be focused on you know, criminal law or, mm. you know, I don't know, family marriage or whatever. Um, so you want to make sure that you know the ins and outs about that organization as well as mm. completely understand the job role in which you're applying for. Like you want to make sure that 
before you go in the interview, you understand what that job responsibility is because all of your answers should speak to that job skill or that mm-hmm. job responsibility. Like that's the whole point in you going to that job. Not so they can understand, well, so they can one, understand your experience, but how those skills and experience can be transferable to that role that you're applying for. So whenever you answer them, it needs to speak to that. So yeah, my next question for y'all is, uh, during the interview, how do you set yourself apart? So I stole your idea from That's like okay. the first job episode where you said to bring thank you cards in the interview and give it to them right after they're done interviewing you. Mm-hmm. I did that and got the job both times I did it. So I don't necessarily know if that was like it, but mm-hmm. it definitely like I'm sure helped. Right. Um Another thing I do is I'm just really nice and like personable, just like real, like so I what, just seem personable. I'm like really like, oh my God, yeah. Like not in a fake way, but like, I don't know. I think I've kind of mastered the. So how do you do that though? Like what is nice and what is you being personable in an interview? Um, I'm, I, I talk about like, I'll have something personal. Like for instance, let's say um, they ask me. Uh, why I want to be a lawyer or something mm-hmm. like that. I'll have a personal story that's just personal enough that mm-hmm. like I can get them to connect with me, but Correct. also not too personal where that's it's not really like good. embarrassing. Mm-hmm. So they feel like I'm really trying to like just be myself and just like try to connect with them, which I am, but it's less about my, like it's it's something about my life that I don't mind sharing. For sure. Um, like I've teared up in an interview talking about something hmm. having to do, which wasn't fake. It was real, but it was just like, dang, they were like, oh man, like she's Did you get the serious. job? Yeah, I got I'm the job. I'm curious. <laughs> That's yeah. good. I mean, I wasn't boo crying in there. No, but, but I, I've been there before where you've been, I've been like passionate about like where I am or where I came from mm-hmm. to the point where, you know, I kind of like felt something in my nostrils. Yeah. So I understand. Yeah, I like that. So yeah, just, um, having something personal to connect with the person and also trying to find a connection. Connection. With that so like correct. um I'll either talk about where I'm from, where I went to school, um, where I went to law school. People are like, oh yeah, you went to law school in Louisiana. My blah 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 is from Louisiana. Oh, mm-hmm. did they live here? Like just trying to literally make a random correct connection. Because generally you don't have anything in common with these people. So correct. like you just have to like force a connection. I also want to add with that. I think you need to be mindful, not only reading verbal, their like what they're saying verbally, but also, I think match their nonverbal, um, how I guess their nonverbal demeanor mm-hmm. in the interview. Like if they are uptight, like not smiling at you, you make sure you are, are uptight, still being personable verbally, but you're not like laxed. Sitting yeah. in your seat, like relax. I think you need to literally mirror the person that you're interviewing with because sometimes it may not be your skill set that doesn't get you the job, is that relatability factor. Mm. And I think whenever you mention um, bringing in those personal elements, it allows them to see you for who you are. Because, I mean, obviously, everyone that has a, a interview is already qualified. It's like who can right. blend well with the organization or with the team. Or, like, why do we like her? So, I think that's also important. It's all about likability, honestly. Like, if they don't like you, you're not going to get the job. Not at period. all. I don't care. How, it don't matter how qualified yeah. you are. If they don't like you. Depending on the job, though. You know. For a law, I would yeah. say for a law firm job, like, yeah. 
Well, and I don't even know. I would say for most law firm jobs, as a black woman, they have to like you. Okay. You have to be overqualified, and they also have to like you. I agree. I agree with that. I mean, that's... Just for black women. Now, I mean, you can... I don't know about for everybody else, but I mean, black yeah. people, I'll say. But for black women, for sure, you have to be like doubly nice. What about you, Mish? What are some things that um, you do to set yourself apart from other candidates? So the first thing is, <clears throat> my field is is very laxed. It's very business casually. You know, like people, not often do you see people in suits. Mm-hmm. Um, not often do you even see them fully in business casual. Like right. once they get the job, they just mm-hmm. be coming to work. <laughs> but um, when I have an interview, I make it a point to wear a suit. And now I'm at a point in my career where I can afford a well-fitted suit mm-hmm. um, that looks really nice on me. And I've so many interviews I've been on before where they're like, you look really good. And it's like, I've gotten those jobs. And I think it's because they're like, it's just the presentation. Like, mm-hmm. I look really, really good. I'm just as qualified as all the other people. Like you said, Justin, they're getting interviews for a reason. But... I'm going in and I'm likable. Like you, I think that being attractive is also something. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna say that they're like, oh, I'm attracted to her, you know. But physically, they want to see that you look good, like you are put together. Um, so mm-hmm. that's one thing I do. But then I also bring a portfolio. Um, so I have my resume. I have my license, a copy of my license. I have a copy, not my driver's license, my therapy license i have a copy of um trainings that i've done so like cbt therapy cpr nci um i have a copy of two reference letters and they never are expecting that um every time i've gone in an interview i I always present it and i tell them what's in it and they always seem to be really impressed because not a lot of people are coming in in my field with all of that like they they know in order to apply for the job you had to have the license so nobody's really bringing a copy of their license with them so those are just things that i think are kind of like I've already kind of set myself apart from other people. I think so. I personally feel like that is extremely important. Like the idea of dressing for success, that is everything. You want them to see you at you want them to see you at your best mm-hmm. so they can visualize you under their organization. So slicking down those edges, finding <laughs> that nice form suit, whitening your teeth, actually brushing the plaque off your teeth. Right. means everything coming in not smelling like a french whore but coming in smelling good <laughs> not like a you know french not, whore. you know when they, people say if you spray too much cologne or perfume you smell like a french whore i've so, never heard you've that. never heard of that nah okay thanks but well, that's cool you know i, was, I like yeah. it yeah <laughs> um like you know actually presenting yourself well like like literally presenting yourself well that is probably half of the battle in terms of connecting with people right. regardless if they look well or not so I think that's a very important key. And then I like the fact that you also are bringing with that portfolio, what that is doing is bringing factual evidence 
on what you're about to talk about, right? So you talk about your reference letters, you talk about the trainings that you've completed. Those are factual evidence that they can see that you are speaking to during that interview that they don't have to question. Because right. if you don't bring that evidence, then it's just a matter of like, is she telling the truth? Is she not telling the truth? But because you have that factual evidence, it's like, look here, bitch. Here's my evidence. Don't question <laughs> that, me. You know what I'm saying? Def- I'm, that's right. not what I'm thinking, but, but it is kind of like a like, look here. Yeah, here it is here it type is. of thing. Matter yeah. of fact, here it is. <laughs> but um, another thing, real quick, another thing I do is I take the least amount of things in an interview with me. So, like, I don't take my whole key ring. And even if I do take a, like, work tote bag it's basically nothing in my phone is not in there my phone stays in my car when I go on an interview the only thing that is in there is my key fob for my car and my portfolio that is it It, yeah me too I think you need to be very minimal with all the things because having a lot it's kind of like bag lady like you know Erica Badu says like you got too much stuff right (laughs) and you look complicated right now that's so. crazy because I literally, uh, my last interviews, I um, had a big book sack in, but I was like, I need to bring all this information, <laughs> this factual information, just be, just in case you think this black boy ain't doing what he's doing. <laughs> right. um, so Take I agree my with bag. y'all. I think oh, I do. you think I don't know this? Okay. Yeah, girl. you think I don't know this? Right. Hold right. on. Let me show you. Oh, <laughs> uh, just extra. Um, no. So I agree with all of y'all. I probably do all of what y'all do as well. But I think one of the things that I personally like to do. Um, I think one of the major questions um, that they ask in every industry is to pretty much walk you through, walk them through your resume. Um, And that's just basically you going over your experience. Um, So I like to mix what Carl mentioned earlier, um, adding personal elements. Like I want them to understand that, like I literally want them to understand that even if this is not the truth, I want them to understand that every decision that I've made from a career standpoint, led me to this interview right now. And it just lets them know that, one, you know what you're looking for, you know what you want, and you really know why you want to be a part of this organization. And I also include some of those mission statements that they have within the organization, um, with with that organization's, with my answers. answers. Mm -hmm. Um, Because, and I say this because, once again, you're in the interview because you are already qualified. You want to completely set yourself apart, even though this may seem extra. And even those, even though those mission statements may not have nothing to do with your day-to-day life, however, it can be somewhat transferred to that skill and your ability to want for yourself. So you can align, you can align the two if, if necessary. And I think if you do that, it just lets them know that you have already bought into the company and it's like this person has really done their research. And it's kind of like it's like a shock factor because a lot of people come in interviews very generic, answering very in a generic way, and it doesn't read well. It's like you have literally wasted your time. You mm-hmm. had a whole hour to sell yourself, to present yourself in a like a way that could not be, no one could ever question you, and you just went in and you was just like, whatever with now you're worried and now you're like i don't know if i'm gonna get the job like there are times where i'm like i know i'm gonna get an offer because Mm -hmm. i know or there are times where i'm like if i get an offer if i don't get an offer i know i did everything that i can do i literally put it all out on the table Mm -hmm. and i think within any field an interview is you selling yourself and if you don't know how to sell yourself you're you're um cutting yourself short or however however the term is 
Doing yourself a disservice. Correct. Doing yourself a disservice. So, um, my next question for y'all is, um, after receiving the offer, do you always counter? If so, please explain why and the the process in which you, how you do that. So, what I mean by counter is like sending a counter offer after what they have. Salary-wise? Salary-wise, correct. I don't. Generally, in the legal field, like most firms are lockstep. So, like, it's like once you're a certain year, that's what everybody makes. And then once you get to the next year, that's what everybody makes. So, it's not really negotiable. You can negotiate a bonus. You could, but they it depends on the firm. It mm. depends on, but I I don't I don't know why I don't I just don't. Mm. You mish. Um. So the first time I negotiated, I actually got what I asked for, and but we went back twice, and it made me nervous because I'm talking to a recruiter. I'm not talking to the manager. Or, you know, the supervisor or director. I'm talking to just the person that's going back and saying, well, this is what she said. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, they could retract and say, you know, well, hey. we're." But afterward, I mean, I just, I simply asked. I said, with my license, with my experience, and where I am now. At the time, I was working for a school district. So, I had summers off. I had Christmas break. I had spring break. And I led with that I'm, I said I have I only work half a year I work 185 days in order for you to hire me and I now work double that I'm gonna need more money perfect and like I said we went back twice and they gave it to me correct. plus the bonus correct that's what and I think we have to begin to as a people I think we need to begin to be comfortable in doing that because you are going to war for what you feel you deserve. Obviously, we all deserve more. We are priceless beings. Um, but your time is, I mean, I would say fight for it. If you're not willing to lose a job over you fighting for more, then, you know, what are you doing? That's how I look at it. Obviously, um, you know, Different industries are different. Like, I've completely been in a place where, like yourself, Cara, where, like, you know, you get what you pay, like, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. But then there are other things that I have discovered that you can negotiate, right? You can negotiate relocation packages. You can negotiate bonuses, right? So, like, if you're in a sales mm-hmm. role or if you're in a position where you may get annual bonuses and let's say you transition within a company and you're going to lose out on your bonus, that's something that you can negotiate. You may not go negotiate to increase your salary, but you can say like, hey, I'm losing out on a $5,000 bonus coming into your company. What can you do for me? They may slide you $2,500. That's $2,500 more than what you had before. Um, they also You also can negotiate relocation packages. Like if you're going mm-hmm. from one state to the next state and you, uh, you applied – they may not move all your shit, but they may like, you know what, here's $500 for food. Right. You understand what I'm saying? Yep. Like, they may give you something. And I say this because they do it for other people. Trust me. Trust me. And Somebody, other people negotiate correct. on a regular basis. And other people don't have to negotiate, and they do it for them. Mm-hmm. So I think from that that part right there pisses me off, because it's like, you would do it for someone else, but you're not even going to do it for me because you know that I'm I'm just grateful just to have the offer. Right. And I think as and I think 
I've become comfortable with that because I'm a little bit older now. I know my skill set. I know what I bring to the table. I have factual evidence. And this is why you really come hard. Like you really present yourself well. You bring that factual evidence because whenever you do get that offer, you want them to not shortchange you whenever they give you that offer. They want to date. You want them to be like, Mish knows her shit. She brought factual evidence. We do see that she worked, she worked in this program, this, that, and a third. So mm-hmm. I'm not gonna lowball her. Right. I'm gonna give her something strong. And even if they do give you something strong, you still counter because there's still you may not know what you can it, it could be something as simple as a parking space. Right. Do mm-hmm. I highly recommend that you do a counter offer. I do it all the time. I've gotten bonuses. I've gotten relocation packages. I've gotten bonuses and um, sign-on bonuses. Sign-on, Like yeah. I'm like, damn, you giving me 10 grand before, 10, 15 grand before I come in? Okay, you're damn right I'm going to come in work working. So I highly recommend that y'all do that. Don't be afraid to kind of offer. And I have had a friend where they did rescind that offer. But... Um, rescind it meaning they, we're not he, giving you the job no exactly more? correct really correct yeah um, but it spoke and it spoke to the character of the company right because you're rescinding and this was the company in Atlanta Georgia <laughs> and I'm not sure if it had anything to do with it being a black company or not but I felt like they were being extremely petty um, but I mean sometimes you just have to be okay with like you know, not going with that organization that doesn't speak to like yeah. you. You know, like you don't want to be in that environment. If I'm if I'm sending you a counter offer, which is so common, and you're sending your offer after one counter, after one counter. <laughs> yeah, funny, but funny. I also want to say though that you have to be depending on your field. Also, be realistic. So when I countered, it was based on the average that people in my field are being paid. For sure. So I'm countering because somebody is getting paid this. And so I know that y'all can afford it, one, Mm -hmm. because they were already offering a sign-on bonus. So if you're going to give folks out the gate money, I know you can afford to tack on these extra Ks. I remember years ago, um, I was going into a, like I was getting a promotion, right? where I would have been working over someone. This person was making 130. They were offering me 109. No way. And I was like, it's no, like, and they didn't tell me this. I only knew this because a previous manager just gave me all the tea, right? Yeah. <laughs> gave me all the tea, right? And just imagine me going into that role that 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 other that I would have been over was w- making what thirty five grand over me, wow, or thirty grand over me, and would have just been like, and I just would have been thankful for that position. And I listen, I fought them tooth and nail to the point where I had to, I had to end up leaving. I left instead of taking that offer because I felt that the amount of work that I would have been putting into not only like lead, develop, coach, train, I would have to deal with that individual personality, right. You understand what I'm saying? And I'm not saying that money pays for all that or satisfy all that, but it would have just would have been hard for me to know that this motherfucker is making way more money than I am and I'm quote unquote over him. That's right. 
Exactly. So, and, but the other thing is, how did he even get to that point? And well, he's he not in a, a supervisory well, he role. He did have a well. I guess within my industry, like listen, they don't want to move up because it's more work. Oh, okay. you understand what I'm saying? Like you can literally make money in those um, rep roles, those rep roles, and be fine, which is okay. But I think as a company, you have to like balance out the pain. And granted, like he was almost he was probably really 50 years old mm-hmm. and here i am 30 years old asking like well bitch i want to make his money <laughs> but that's how hard i felt i mean that's how solid i felt in my ability to move business for them you know what mm-hmm. i'm saying like i knew that i could do it and i knew that i was worth that and more obviously but also do your research i know it's like isn't it illegal for you to talk about your pay car no. well, i mean it's not i don't know that's not legal not- advice but it's not illegal. You could talk about your pay. Can't nobody. Well, I don't want to say whether it's legal or illegal, yeah. but you're not supposed to be. Can't nobody force you to talk about your pay. But okay. it's not illegal to discuss or, you know, talk about your pay. Right. Well, I was under the mind frame where you cannot. Although I don't like people to ask me how much I make, I it's like to do my taste. research. It's yeah. not in good taste. It's not in good taste at all. But I do my research because I need to like see what like what the shits is. Um. All right. So, um, what career organizations are you a part of, and how has it helped you through um, throughout your career? So these are, you know, like I mentioned, Black MBA, National Sales Network um, organization. Are you in any other organizations that may coincide with your the career that you're in? Um, I'm a part of the American Bar Association, Dallas Bar association i'm also part of the dallas young lawyers association and i'm a part of bear Sisu brunch which is a an organization for young black female attorneys in texas um i'm also a part of the forum on construction law which is a subset of the aba which is the american bar association i try to get plugged into um any of the sections of a bar organization that um, relate to the practice areas I'm in, because that's when you get the most networking. So I'm also in the Young Lawyers Association for the Forum on Construction Law, as well as the Labor and Employment section, too. So you just pretty much build your network like within those organizations to get... Yeah. Try to get in leadership positions, meet people, network, that whole thing. Yeah. So I am a part of the DFW Black Mental Health Professionals. Um, I'm a part of the DFW Black Healthcare Professionals. And then also I'm a part of the Leadership Council with Communities and Schools. Um, So I was not a part of any organizations (laughs) um, prior to uh, five months ago. Um, And I... I think I wasn't a part of any organization because I felt like I can just do it on my own. Um, and plus, I kind of sort of have these weird, awkward moments when it comes to networking. Um, however, um, there were circumstances that slightly forced me to um, get beyond my thoughts and join those organizations. And it has been really beneficial to me. Um, and those two organizations were um, Black MBA and National... Well, I'm about to join Black MBA, um, but the National Sales Network um, organization. And 
like I've mentioned, like, I mean, I went to one conference and I was able to align myself with individuals that could, you know, potentially get me in positions where I can interview for these top companies. Um, I asked this question because um, I wanted everyone to understand how beneficial aligning yourself with those um, professional organizations, what it can do for your career. Um, for me, it was a matter of, you know, getting, let's say, in front of HR directors so I can get hired. Um, but oh, I think on the back end, it's really just aligning yourself with professionals professionals that can um, help you sharpen your skills and you sharpen their skills. So mm -hmm. it's like, you know, mm -hmm. the idea of iron sharpening iron. But lastly, um, my last question is, um, what advice would you give someone who's trying to to develop their career or transition into a new one? Um, from a legal standpoint, it's all about networking. So getting, you know, once you join a group, you can then meet people in that group who are a part of other groups and you can kind of branch out that way. Um, because in the legal field, a lot of the times getting a job is based off of who you know. Getting in the door, I think focus on making sure from a legal standpoint, making sure that your grades are good and you have a really good writing sample um, because those two things will propel you. And, and wherever you end, you know, begin your career, like that should be a starting point to every other move that you make. Mm -hmm. um, as far as transitioning into a new one, um, that's also really about who you know because it's difficult to transition into a completely new field when you have no experience. So you need to know people that know your other subset of skills that can vouch for you in a new position or just be, you know, if you have a really good resume and good credentials to get you in the door, then just wowing people once you get there um, and continuing to do things in the field that you want to go into so that you can add those things to your resume, even if they're not necessarily jobs, you can put them down as like hobbies or organizations that you're a part of. Um, to show people that you're genuinely interested and not just, you know, trying to slide into something just off the strength. Mm -hmm. um, for me, I would really, I think my biggest advice is like you really have to know how to articulate your skills um, and relate it to the job or the career that you're applying for. Um, I've done a lot of interviews and I've found that um, people don't really know how to like speak to their skills and align it with their job in order for me to really fully see that they can be able to function in that environment. So I would really recommend that, you know, just regarding interviewing alone, really get with a friend and begin to like do mock interviews with each other or really go on YouTube and like just YouTube your field and see like where where there may be nursing interviews or you know you know sales representative interviews or you mm. know whatever like gain like just utilize your resources so you can be able to articulate that with that interview because what you don't want is for you to be qualified and have all these all these skills and you're unable to articulate that to the interviewer. Um, the second thing that I would recommend is that you really do your research. I think it really speaks volume when you have someone who is prepared and they know their research and they are prepared for that interview. It makes your nerves a little bit better 
I think we become nervous whenever we are not prepared. Um, but if you're fully prepared, you're able to stand on the preparation that you've, you know, you have worked on. Um, so I would definitely say utilize your resources in terms of um, finding ways to articulate your skills and really like speak into that interview, um, as well as uh, knowing the industry, knowing that company and not being afraid of letting them know what you know about them. And I would say thirdly, like Mish, keep all your emails, any emails that highlight you as a worker, any awards, any certifications, like create a portfolio or create a bag, a brag book, which I call. Um, and don't be afraid to like bring that in your interview. Don't let anyone um, like stop you from selling yourself even more because that one thing can probably set you really apart from those other candidates. Absolutely. Um, <clears throat> I guess I'll just speak specifically to the field of social services. Um, I think it's really important for people to determine exactly what population they want to work with. I am very specific in working with children and adolescents that have mental health issues um, and behavioral problems. I don't work in substance abuse. I don't necessarily, outside of like part-time work, I don't necessarily want to work with adults. And when I get in an interview and I'm sitting in front of someone that is interviewing me for a position, working with children and adolescents, they can see that all of my experience has aligned to get me to that place. So it's important to determine that early on in your career because a lot of the times with within our field we kind of have the option to go back and forth and specifically those that have a degree in social work like some people can work in hospitals medical hospitals you can work in psych hospitals you can work I mean really anywhere you can work for the VA you can work for schools I mean so many things that you can do but when you're all over the place like that that speaks to your the person that you're interviewing with. Like, how do we know you're going to stay interested in what we have here? So um, a lot of the times when I get in interviews, I can tell that they're really impressed that I'm so young, but I've done so much in this specific area. And so I have an expertise when it, work, when it comes to working with children and adolescents, specifically with behavioral and mental health issues. So nice. that would be my tidbit. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed uh, this week's show. We really, I personally really want to uh, do this show because I am um, currently in transition. Um, and I do feel that we need to talk about that because regardless of what industry we're in, I do feel that, you know, we can learn from each other and we need to speak to that. And I feel that there are a lot of people who are, you know, at their, you know, at a place in life where they want to focus on their career and they want to continue to grow that and, I just wanted to make sure that we had, you know, a show that spoke to that. Cool. This is a good one. Yeah. I'm interviewing right now too, so this is good. Yay. Um <laughs> Go on ahead and get your bliss. Go get your bliss. Stop with it. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> um So here's our millennial moment. I don't have a letter. I'm just gonna give y'all this scenario. You have 
Give me a name, a guy, an older guy name. Cleophas. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you have Cleophas. Who is Cleophas? Who lives in Cincinnati. <laughs> and give me an older, another older guy name. Caesar. Caesar. <laughs> so Cleophas lives in Cincinnati, right? Caesar. Y'all got me confused. He got me confused all these C's. Cleopas, Cincinnati, Caesar. Okay, Caesar is a flight attendant who only stays in the city for about 10 days out of the month. Mm. Caesar needs somewhere to stay and ask Cleophas if he can stay there. <laughs> and Cleophas says, cool, you can stay here for $300 a month. As long as you help with soap and toilet paper and napkins, everything else is good. They stay together for like four months. Now, Caesar doesn't have a room. Caesar, Caesar just has like a corner in the place and is able to keep his stuff stored there throughout the month while he's traveling for work. Cleophis decides randomly that he's going to text Caesar and say, you now have to pay me $450 a month because my bills are going up and I can't have you stay here for just $300. Caesar don't feel like it's fair. Caesar says, you got a whole bunch of other people in and out your house. Uh, why do I have to pay an extra $450? I mean, an extra $150 and I'm only here 10 days out of the month. What do y'all think? Uh, okay, so I kind of agree with both of them, and I'll explain why. Okay. So I agree with Caesar because if we have any C names, it's okay. If I, I, I agree with Caesar because if we made an agreement, I don't think it's fair for you to change that agreement just randomly. Mm -hmm. Okay. I agree with Cleophas because she said that her well, he said that his bills change. So I don't know if that was like a rent increase or, you know, like sometimes mm. these, you know, it was probably like a renewal of a lease. But if it wasn't a renewal of a lease, um, I also don't feel that Caesar necessarily, I, I don't think he has a right to like bring up what goes on in my house. Right. Mm -hmm. um, so I can understand probably where that frustration came from. However, I don't agree with Cleophas just changing like, just switching shit up um, because it was just cool to do so. And you know, like, my money is good, basically. Like, you made, like, I paid you maybe three or four times, and you know that money is solid. So well, let me see if I can get a little bit more. So. Well, and also, I think the issue for me, because I, I agree with Justin, but not fully, because the issue I have is if Caesar wasn't paying you that 350 like, would you not be able to cut, would you not... Would you not be able to cover your own rent without his three fifty or whatever that amount is? Like, mm -hmm. I feel like that's just extra money for you that you're trying to Cleo, get out of. That you're trying season. to like. I feel like it's just like the three fifty. What is it really paying for? Because if if Caesar wasn't living there, you would still be having to pay your full rent. Mm -hmm. You know what true, I'm saying? True. So like that's my. Not that I think that it's any of Caesar's business. To ask me why I upped the rent but or his contribution that I want him to, to pay, maybe it would have gone over better if Cleopas would have said, hey, listen, this is what's going on. You know, are you able to pay me more? 
Like it, it should have been more so a conversation than just a pay me this and that's it type of thing. Especially mm-hmm. if I'm not like I can see if, if I'm I was not living there, there yeah. but I'm literally I'm just using you as a host. Well, well, it is yeah. a little hotelly. Yeah, it I is mean, a hotel-y. it's a little hotelly, and, and to be honest, per ho- you would actually pay more at a more hotel. More at a hotel, right? You'd be paying like 150 dollars a week. So I see it a little bit hotel. different. I feel like if I'm paying you, you are increasing. I need to know why you're increasing. That's I think what I'm saying. That, it should have been a, yeah. It should be. A, I think it definitely should be an explanation. I just don't feel that Caesar has a right to throw. Oh well, you have other people like you have other people in and out of the house. Like that statement alone, like I wouldn't receive that well. Whenever you say you have other people in and out of your house, like what are you trying to imply? Right. So that probably rubbed me the wrong way. Um, but you know, I still feel the same. But I do, I do agree. I think to some extent, Caesar shouldn't have asked. I mean. Cleophas. Cle- uh, who is who? Darn it. Cleophas is the one that Cleophas is letting yeah. yeah. Yeah, I feel like Cleophas should have had a conversation, but I also feel like Caesar should have just asked, like, well, what are the extras for? Instead of interjecting, say, well, you, you got, got all these people, people running around your house. <laughs> just say, hey, well, what is the extra 154? I'm not really there that much. Like, what is that? You know, like, just saying, like, hey, I'm not trying to offend you, but... Cleo you know, just, ain't shit. Let me tell you why Cleophas ain't shit. And I was trying to just be really nice about the situation. <laughs> but what happened is he also thought, man, like a hotel would be way more money than, you know, X, Wait, y- Cleophas, the person that's the stationary with the apartment. Okay. Cleophas just realized how much money he can get. You think? Yes. I don't like, know. at least, I mean, if it's, if it's, if it's rando, like a rando increase. And like I'm paying you three hundred dollars and buying you toiletries and paper towel and bars yeah, or so. Yeah, that's actually a lot. It's like why do you need hundred and fifty dollars more? Lot. Like you realizing that my money is good and you just like man, I can probably get more. And I don't think that's cool. That's a lot. Like for somebody that's not there, which means they're not really contributing to the bills that are increasing. Correct. Yeah, I just I don't know. So this is the way I look at it. <laughs> If Caesar just got their own place, they wouldn't have to deal with this. And I am a firm believer in not having, not mixing like needing friends and your friendship. So if Caesar has been there, I have a lot of friends that are flight attendants. Like I can think of like six off top. Five of them all have their own place to live. Mm-hmm. Like when they are in one place, one of my friends, just for an example, lives in Dallas and commutes to New York. And she has a crash pad in New York and she pays to live in that crash pad. And she has a lease and she signs it and it's her place. Like there are roommates there, but it's her place. Like she has a right to be there. Mm-hmm. And I feel like Caesar needs to get up and be responsible for themselves. Like, if you weren't trying to stay with a friend, you wouldn't have this problem. Right. Um, and I mean, I feel like Cleophis is probably trying to, you know, milk the cow, as they say. But again, if Caesar was being responsible, they wouldn't have this problem because they wouldn't have to be sleeping in nobody's corner. They could be doing like all these other, fl- and I mean, just but just I realistically, Caesar is being responsible. Yeah, because he's paying his bills. Like this was an agreement. And also, no. apartments aren't 
aren't cheap in Dallas. One, two. They in Cincinnati. Flight attendant. Oh, sorry, Cincinnati. <laughs> I don't know about Cincinnati, but in Cincinnati they're not cheap. <laughs> assuming, but even if they were, they're not going to be three hundred and fifty dollars a month. And also, another thing is, flight attendants don't make that much money. Yeah, but I'm just saying, I have a lot of friends that are flight attendants. And I have another friend that commutes from Dallas to Atlanta. And she has friends in in Atlanta. And that baby stays at a hotel every time she goes to Atlanta. And that is to avoid things like this. Having to rely on people. And then people switch up on you. And you have to oblige to their switch up. Or get into it with your friend because you just said something slick. Now, if you had your own and you was trying to stand on your own two feet and be responsible for yourself, you wouldn't have this problem. But so, I, when, whenever you throw the word responsible in, I think that's the only thing where I don't agree with you in because I feel like because he had a conversation with this person, this person agreed to saying like, "Hey, I'm going like you can stay here for this amount of money." That's like saying that. With, with you staying here, you paying me this, this is an even exchange, so to speak, to that agreement. So in terms of like that responsibility aspect, I guess him being irresponsible would be him staying there and not like paying that money. But if it's an agreement and we clearly talked about it, then I feel... Where I think it's irresponsible is that you're not doing what other people in your field do to... Sustain on your own. Um, I kind of look at Caesar as somebody that's always wanting to use other people instead of standing on their own feet. Okay. So I'm I'm thinking like you work yeah, with hella at, people that are flight attendants and they have places to live. Mm-hmm. And here you are trying to catch the corner in somebody else's house instead of just being sufficient. Maybe I should use the word sufficient. Sufficient, okay. sufficient on your own. Mm-hmm. Like your other colleagues. Mm-hmm. I just, my sister was a flight attendant and when she first started out, she wasn't making nothing. Yeah. So living on her own wasn't an option. So that, I mean, I don't know what airline, whoever his name is. Caesar. Caesar. Justin with these names. I got y'all. I got it. Trust Caesar. What Which airline he works for, but I just know in the beginning, I don't know, and I don't know how long he's been working there, but in the beginning, generally, they don't make that much money. Mm. So making an agreement with somebody who you consider a friend to say, hey, I'm not going to be here, but like twice, like a third of the month, I'll pay you a third of the rent, I think is responsible because you're not paying $1,000 a month to stay no. in an apartment that if you never in. If I was in. a flight attendant, I would look for a situation like that yeah. where I can just Like an Airbnb type of situation. Yeah. Airbnb. Versus a friend is all I'm well, saying. Well, Airbnb because you then you're being your sufficient for yourself. You can't leave your stuff there, though. Well, you need to look you. for a it crash pad. I'll say this: I agree with you. Like, it may not be able to last forever, but I feel like if okay. So the responsible thing that I would personally do, mm-hmm. I would be like, hey, for the next three months, I need to stay with you ten days out of the month. I will pay you that. There has to be an expiration date, so you cannot. Switch it up on me because mm. I, 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 we agreed to a time frame, and maybe he didn't do that. Maybe he was just like, you know, I'm paying you this much, and maybe they both irresponsible in that regard in mm. terms of human communication. Communication. So I see where you're coming from from that angle, but me not knowing like what how flight attendants live. Me personally, I would look for that situation. Like, hey, you have extra room? Same. Let me give you like this amount of dollars <laughs> for those ten days. I would not. 
especially if I don't have to, and this person agreed, air quotes, then I would be like, bitch, you're right. Like, why are you switching it up? You're like, you got all these other motherfucking people in the motherfucking house. <laughs> I would make it real personal. Um, so, um, Caesar, Cleophas, um, get it together. Caesar. Cleophas need to get it together, too. You can't be I switching shit up like name. that. I like the name Caesar, though, because I don't say it like Caesar. I just say Caesar. <laughs> I can't. I like it. <laughs> that, my friend's dog name was Caesar. Caesar. Come here, Caesar. Caesar died. Just give us this word. Oh. The word. <laughs> All right, peace, Caesar. The word of the day. Send us $5 or Please. whatever amount you want to send. Yay. The word of the day is slang wanger. <gasps> I hope it is as near as to what it sounds like. Right. A slang wanger is a noun. It is a loud, abusive speaker or an obnoxious writer. Justin, please use slang wanger. Trump is the epitome of a slang wanger. Mm. <laughs> you took mine. <laughs> Read it again. It is a noun. A loud, abusive speaker or obnoxious writer. Hmm. What's your boy name? <laughs> Which one? I don't know. <laughs> the movie writer. Dang, why can't I think his... Tarantino is a swang langer. That's not the word. Is what it is it? <laughs> <laughs> it's swang wanger. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> what did I just say? Swang langer. How do you spell it? He is okay. a... Slang wanger. Slang wanger is spelled S L A S L A N G W H A N G E R. Quentin Tarantino. Quentin Tarantino. Yeah. Listen, Apple did not um, agree with that word. Ben is going to become a slang wanger once we get married. Good night. <laughs> Bye, y'all. <laughs> <laughs>